Okay, Kate, I have a question mm-hmm. for you. If your life was all of a sudden a TV show that you would sit and watch, mm-hmm. what is a moment that you would really stick out to you from your life that you think would make it into the TV version of Kate's life? Ooh. Um, when I was in the fifth grade, I fell down the stairs of the Museum of Natural History and a lot of people saw it. That probably would be it. That is a good one. Yeah, uh, I think it's really specific and embarrassing. <laughs> and long enough ago that like it must have been bad for me to remember it so specifically. Is that a memory that you would choose to erase and just watch the good parts like what happened in this episode of the show? I do think I would like to not remember that. <laughs> Yeah, so it might get erased and you might just live in blissful ignorance. Yeah, the rest, I would just see the parts where I saw dinosaurs. Yes. (laughs) What about you? I have so many because my life has been such a whirlwind, Kate. No, uh, I mean, the main one that springs to my mind just because I was talking about it over the weekend with some friends I hadn't seen in a while Mm -hmm. is just when, you know, I think I've told you this story before. I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the podcast. So we all know Fred Schneider, (laughs) the lead singer of the Mm B-52s. One time I was at a party with him and I sat on his lap and he fed me a veggie burger. And then we danced at the party in my friend Joe's living room. And then... Fred Schneider tried to take me home and I politely refused and he was a gentleman about it. And I feel like that might be an inciting incident for a pilot of a show. I think now that you're saying that, I think the moment I would really like to see yes, is when I went to a party at Davidson College in 2008 and I met a bunch of basketball players because I want confirmation whether one of them was Steph Curry or not. Totally. You think you met Steph Curry, but you don't know for sure. (laughs) There's a decent chance I met Steph Curry before he was drafted, but there's no way of knowing. Yeah. There couldn't possibly, like, there were not that many players on the Davidson basketball team in 2008. Yeah. And it's like impossible to, you know, it's not like someone took a nice photo of you with all the basketball players you met. And then you. Yeah. And if there are photos from that party, it was on like a digital camera. It wasn't on anyone's phones not on instagram like yeah digital camera a lot of digital camera stuff in certain ways lost media yeah yeah (laughs) so all and i like don't speak to anyone from that party at this point in my life not because i dislike them but just because it was so long ago yeah you've uh, moved on you know yeah which is a nice which is actually a good thing to do sometimes yeah that's another social media thing sometimes we need to move on from people and social media doesn't allow us to do that yeah, I wonder if they sat up in the middle of the night 25 years later or 15, I don't know how many fucking years later, it's 15 years later in a panic that maybe they met somebody. Or did they wake up in the middle of the night 25 years later and say to themselves, oh my God, did Kate meet Steph Curry? Not even concerned about themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Roll that theme song. (laughs) 
pals and gals, and welcome to the second last, third last episode of XOXO Riverdale. Riverdale. Probably our third last episode. We're planning on having a big, grand blowout hullabaloo. Mm -hmm. Uh, A spring fling, as it were. Yeah. (laughs) That uh, we are still in the process of planning, but... You know, I'm I'm Louis Perlman. I'm Kate Batter. And uh, we're going to cover chapter 136, Golden Age of Television, which is the penultimate episode of the series. The CW series produced in conjunction with Warner Brothers Television and Archie Comics, Riverdale, a phenomenon... <laughs> Of which we can't spare words. <laughs> Kate's like, come on, Louie, let's come go. On, keep it this is not speeding up. This is keep going. Drag- I'm sorry, I should have done yeah, drag, drag it out. out. Riverdale. <laughs> the influential. Yeah. Teen drama. Of our. Of, of our lives. Of our, someone else's generation. Of someone else's, not ours. Yeah, absolutely not. This is not a Dawson's Creek podcast, folks. <laughs> It, which, by the way, there's some big almost Dawson's Creek in this episode that I was like losing my mind over because I don't oh, think it was really? on purpose. Yeah, it seems like this show might end the same way that Dawson's Creek does. How did Dawson's did Dawson's Creek end with Dawson going to Hollywood and writing a show about his friends? Like, I don't. He wrote know. a movie about his friends. He went to Hollywood and Spielberg produced it. That's not that is that's, that's how Dawson the, ends. That's the end of the movie or the end yeah, of the series. The end of the series, and now like Veronica wants to make this big movie, and I'm like. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely very similar. Yes. This was an episode that was a lot of like, oh, cool, a teenage movie producer. Oh, awesome, a teenage screenwriter. Yeah, I mean, Dawson was grown up at the end of the series. Yes. It was like a flash forward. Yes. And like we saw, you know, who Joey picked. Who did Joey pick? Pacey. Oh, I love Pacey. Who doesn't love Pacey? Pacey's a treat. You know, Pacey is my dad's name. Oh, is your dad Joshua Jackson? No. Oh. <laughs> that would be physically impossible. Fellow Canadian, though. <laughs> yes, Vancouverite Joshua Jackson. Yeah. Didn't they film Dawson's Creek in the Couve? I think they did. Yeah, like everything's filmed in Vancouver, including Riverdale. But it was kind you of... No, that that Riverdale, I've only spoken about it every fucking episode that Riverdale's in Vancouver. Yeah, Dawson's <laughs> Creek also filmed around that time. They were filming a lot in North Carolina, though. You know what? I think it was filmed in North Carolina. That rings yeah. a bell to me that I think I know that. Yeah. Because it takes place there, but I think they did film there as well. Yeah, because it was, they had tax credits and stuff. Yeah, a lot of teen dramas filmed in North yeah, Carolina a lot. for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, cool. I was going to segue. I had a good segue, and then we talked about North Carolina instead. So speaking of Riverdale being filmed in Vancouver, there was a really... Actually, very informative TikTok, in my opinion. Yeah. That came out this week that we both watched that was all about the Riverdale um, clothing sale. Like, you know, all the wardrobe stuff. They did a wardrobe sale where you could go pick up clothes uh, that were sold. It sounds like some of the clothes were pretty reasonable. Some of the pieces were pretty reasonable. I think it was like a whole, I don't, I, estate's not the word, but I think there was more than just costumes. I think it was just like a, yeah, production maybe, maybe some, yeah, production sale, which I know, you know, is a thing that they do, especially shows that have been on for seven years. Yeah. But something that I found really interesting about the TikTok that I wanted to talk about 
that is something you might not think about just watching the show is the fact that they, of course, kept every costume piece, even though there were certain pieces that maybe were only used for, you know, one or two episodes. They kept everything, of course, just in case you needed again, which would make mm -hmm. sense for a show like this. So, like, something that they showed was, like, they found the white uh, robes from, like, the farm the, arc. The Harvest Festival. It wasn't the farm. It was the Harvest Festival in the uh, Rivervale season. Oh. That, like, midsummer plot. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the fake midsummer plot. They found yeah. those. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they also found little short, um, like leather, leather, sh leather shorts that uh, with studs on them that immediately when I saw them, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember Tony wearing those, you know, mm -hmm. and um, lots of jewelry. But yeah. it didn't look like they found a spider brooch. Probably those were kept by the cast and crew, I would imagine. Yeah, I don't know how many of them exist, too. I mean, one of them is in my apartment. But... <laughs> I can't imagine there's like that many of those floating around. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about that on the podcast many seasons ago. So my memory might be a little hazy, but I believe <laughs> that those, that brooch was, was Bakelite, right? It's Bakelite. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of a rare thing to make jewelry out of, but it's very cool and very period. Yeah. People yeah. collect it. Yeah. It's... People collect Bakelite. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we didn't, but there were some, you know, we saw some varsity jackets and some serpents jackets. We saw some ghoulies jackets. Yes. <laughs> some ghoulies jackets that are so dumb. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, definitely the lighting, I think, did a lot for the ghoulies jackets, personally. It was, yeah. it struck me they were so much more warriors than I remember them being. Very much so, yeah. I'm bringing this up because I did the warriors run yesterday, like, not on purpose, but it was oh, pretty exciting. That's fun. That's really yeah. fun. Yeah. It was. <laughs> I, it Explain to like, our listeners what that is, just because that's cool. So the D was not running between Manhattan and Brooklyn, so it wasn't quite that. But I went from the Bronx, north-north, all the way to Coney Island at the bottom of Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, to get to... Um, to get from to, Yankees to Cyclones. To get to the Yankee, from the Yankee Stadium to, Cy to the Cyclone Stadium. Yeah, yeah. In Coney Island. And, you know... Really great movie that actually not very referenced by Riverdale anywhere other than maybe those costumes. I feel like we bring it up more than they do. It's so, Yeah, because it's such a cult hit, but it's a movie yeah. about a gang who are from Coney Island that go to a big gang meeting in the Bronx. Yeah. And then are hunted by all these other gangs and have to go back to Coney Island, which is incredibly far away. And it's like yeah, this epic Yeah, close to journey. real time. It takes an hour and a half. Yeah, and it is. The movie's in close to real time. Yeah. And it's a really... It's the movie is very cartoonish and fun and wild and then becomes about class discrepancy and becomes really fucking sad and, and pertinent. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, I know we're veering off, but I've been to like multiple screenings of that movie where uh -huh. the crowd is always like, yeah, when it starts and then when it ends, everybody's leaving and they're like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is sad. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's my experience with the Warriors. Hooray. I'm basically a warrior now, so. Yeah, yeah, you're a warrior now. Yep. Kate Vatter, come out and play. Yay. Yay, yay. yay. So, yeah, so that happened. And then, real meat and potatoes to talk about. There mm -hmm. was the most revealing interview we have ever read. 
yeah. with the entire cast of the show mm-hmm. with the Vulture magazine. And if you haven't read it yet, uh, I highly recommend it. it. I believe it's called The Riverdale Cast is Ready to Graduate. We should probably link it on social. I mean, you can find it. Come on. <laughs> that do too, your, yeah. Do your work. You know, like... Do your already, little homework. We're already doing our this podcast. It's just yeah. such a such a heavy lift for us. <laughs> I'm going to write down to link it, but if I don't do it, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. If, but it is really good and there were some very revealing things that happened uh, that we had never really heard before from the cast. Mm-hmm. One of the things I think my thing I want to start with about it is that Cole Sprouse re- really seems to be very proud of Riverdale. <laughs> Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> After all is said and done. And he said, it's high camp. It's high drama. That's the entire point. If you want a realistic teen show, go watch Euphoria. Yeah. Which is also not realistic. No. But it's gritty. Yeah. I guess and there's not magic. <laughs> yeah. And there's no magic or superpowers. I'm in trying it. to think now about like the most realistic teen drama is now and it does feel more like it is like Dawson's Creek I mean oof. there hasn't even, been one for a while that has that sort of seeped in reality you know yeah. I, like I bring up Freaks and Geeks of being an example of just feeling so much like that period in someone's life yeah I feel like the OC had a lot too that was like so grounded and different in like a really relatable way but mm-hmm. then they went off the rails. Yeah. Uh, but also, I think Dawson's all those Creek... people are a little too beautiful. That's the thing. Like, well, they weren't supposed to be. They thought people were going to think Adam Brody was like an ugly nerd, and it just didn't stick. Yeah, um, that's not the case. He yeah. actually changed how society sees nerds. Sure. Uh, yeah. And all those like Marvel movies and shit everyone's into now, I fully believe would not exist without Seth Cohen. But yeah, well, um... definitely geek culture. People realize, and it did take stuff like the OC to make people realize that geek culture is like highly profitable 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like Dawson's Creek was so like, so everyone watched it. It was like, Oh, they're so dramatic, but it was like, that's how it, like everything feels so dramatic when you're a teen. Yeah, everything and the feels that, like, huge. People's parents were getting divorced. Like, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you don't have any way to move through things with understanding that these emotions will pass. Yeah. Which is, I think, the biggest difference between adulthood and, and childhood. And mm-hmm. when you're a teenager and experiencing all these big feelings for the first time, yeah. it's very, incredibly challenging. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Riverdale didn't really do that. But, I, I, you know, the other thing about this, I don't know, I, I feel like we're getting in a lot of journalism about Riverdale now that it's ending, getting a lot of pieces that are really lauding it for being so crazy and outlandish and wonderful. And there have been a few pieces written being like Riverdale was never boring. And I, yeah, I would hesitate to say that that's not the case. There were moments where it felt like, nobody was really enjoying making the show right yeah i think that like what's 
blinding people is that the last two seasons were interesting and fun. Yeah, much more fun and took so, much bigger risks. Yeah. Two through four are really like even two is I'd say three and four were just like clunkers. Yeah, two was okay because two was the first time they did a serial killer plot. Yeah. So it, it felt fresh and it was fun to have the characters in that sort of situation. But mm -hmm. yeah, definitely three through five, right? What, are we in season seven now? Yeah. Because okay, so yeah, three for five. Hero season, which really was very fun. Right. And remember, you know, as we sort of are wrapping up our look at this show, we were very optimistic specifically about season five, which is when they did the time jump. Yes. But then the time jump didn't fix anything and made right. it feel more like a kind of a dopey soap opera that didn't care about its characters, mm -hmm. which was a shame. Yeah. 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 You know, these it was like, I don't need to see Jughead as an alcoholic writer. Like, I don't yeah. care. I feel like it's such a forgettable season. Like, that's why I feel like there's six. Is it's like, one was Jason Blossom, two was The Black Hood, three was Griffin and Gargoyles, four was The Farm. Five was the time jump, which like five was the like time jump thing. with a with yeah ab, you're right it's not really a thing that's it's not right a hook well there they all returned because there was a new there was a new murder killer or something there was a new murderer was there yeah but I don't remember who it was yeah Do you remember who the big baddie was in season five tweeted us seriously I feel like it was Hiram and the yeah the it was Hiram was the Palladium oh. Yeah, season five was all that Palladium garbage. Yeah. Oh, that was so boring. Yeah. That was really, yeah, you know. And then and then season six was the superhero stuff, which yeah. was more fun. However, something about season six that was also an issue was that I think they really intended for Mark Consuelos to stick around because Percival Pickens, for the most part, did just feel like a you know, a Hiram stand-in. Yeah. And then and then we had we had the mini season in between, which was Rivervale. Right. Which was another I I would argue high high point of the show. Where yeah. They just sort of did whatever they wanted. Yeah. It feels like season five of the Palladium was them trying to be like a like a succession or a madman. Like they suddenly <laughs> were like we high we want to be ground well it's they were trying to be and like i think they were like let's be like more grounded and realistic and it was like no we don't need that like i'll watch one of those if i want to yes absolutely yeah different show yeah so to get back to this article just but you know glad we're beginning to wrap it all up here yeah <laughs> another revealing part i wanted to bring up was the table reads with the cast and the writers Mm -hmm. And RAS being in the room, the show creator, and things happening that are so outlandish and campy that he's cackling as they're reading it for the first time. Yeah. What do you make of that? I think there was, I think that does kind of speak to how, how like fun the show was at times. Fun but for them, also... you mean, not for us. <laughs> yeah, for like the writer specifically, because there was also all the stuff about them like recording musical numbers without having a script. That and I want to get into. That I thought it, that was very revealing for the entire tone of the show. I feel like the way they were constantly blinds blindsided by things, like in the writer's room and doing those musical numbers, speaks to like 
how difficult it had to be to like be characters and like be actors to have no idea like what your relationship is with someone else because you don't know where like you have no vibes given to you you have no idea what's going to happen yeah it it the they really described a very fast and dirty yeah. production situation with the show that they just churned it out quickly and that a lot of times in scenes they didn't know fully what was going on mm -hmm. and i actually am gonna you might not totally agree with this but uh justice for molly ringwald perhaps because she doesn't really come from that type of tv background yeah, and this she's was a, a different movie actor. Yeah. She's a film actor, and this is a different kind of thing for her to be doing. And maybe mm -hmm. this just wasn't really her skill set, which makes me feel a little bad for how much we've ragged on her on the show. You know what it, I mean? Yeah, it does feel like when I, you think of Molly Ringwald roles, they're all very grounded and emotional. Yeah. It's like it's thinking of a character where like her whole deal is that her family forgot her 16th birthday. Even with all the other stuff going on, that's like an emotion you can tap into and like sustain the character with. And yeah. this is like, who fucking knows what's going on with her? Yeah, this is her like yelling at Archie because she's worried he's going to drive. Like, yeah. where's the motivation in that for someone like that type of actor to tap into, you know? Yeah, it doesn't say anything about who Mary is. Never. It's been, her character has always been very much in relation to Archie, which I don't yeah. think has been... The, some of the other parents have gotten a little more development. Like, mm -hmm. I would argue Penelope Blossom had, like, you know, really a fabulous arc on she the show. Was, I think, the most consistent parent. Yes, in terms of just the way she behaved. Yeah, yeah. like, everything, nothing is out, was ever really out of character for Penelope. Yeah, you know, uh, Justice moving for... Moving in and out of walls. Justice, yeah, <laughs> coming out of the wall. Justice for Maiden Amchak as well, you know? Yeah. Not that she was ever bad on the show, but just, gosh, she was given a real... And this episode, I think, they really try to, like, end her on a very specifically positive note and be like, we loved working with this actor, and she's actually great, and we know that this was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it. It feels like all like there was so much like unloading of information about Alice in this. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But <laughs> a part that I really if we're done talking about the preparedness, I guess we want to talk about music numbers first and then Oh, the musical numbers? Yeah. Just the only thing about the musical numbers is that they had to pre-record them and that the music directors didn't really know where they fit into the script. Yeah, which neither means did the actors. <laughs> all these, yeah, neither did the actors, which means that all these actors are singing these songs and the music directors having to be like, and just for people that don't know, like music directors are just people that are just handling the musical elements. How is the song being sung? What are the instruments being used? Like mm -hmm. this isn't a role for a show like Riverdale that gets into like, let's say the dramaturgy of the script, you know? Yeah. It can be a little different with musical theater, I would imagine, you know, or in my experience it is, you know, but like, this is different. And yeah. they, you know, were saying to the actors, like, we think you're upset in the scene, but we don't really know. So sing it a little like you're upset. And that does speak to why a lot of the numbers felt flat. Cause yeah. like, it's like, well, why are we interrupting the show to hear I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair now? <laughs> like, 
Yeah. I think, and something else I want to talk about in this interview that I feel like glossed over really fast was KJ talking about the change in Archie in the past couple seasons because he realized they hired him thinking he was like a big brooding hunk who wants like drama. And it turns out he's just like a nice boy from New Zealand who like wanted to play classic Archie. Yes, that was wild to me because they made him do all this awful shit. And we always, that always kind of upset us. That was not a thing about the show that we ever really liked. Yeah, It feels like they saw big muscles and like typecast him on that but i feel like at this point in i mean now it's 2023 but even in 2017 i feel like we understood that like big tough guys can be like softies and they just like forgot that that was possible well it also i i i feel like something maybe a little more was going on that we didn't hear about in the interview uh, just because it represents a fundamental misunderstanding of the character. Mm-hmm. And RAS has written Archie plenty pre-Riverdale in the comics, where he like has a total proper understanding of the character. So like, I don't totally think that's what's going on. And the other thing I'm going to speak towards about that is that that dude walks into a room, his energy, you know, the one time I was in a room with him at that fun vulture panel, you know, many years ago, mm-hmm. you can feel what kind of guy he is immediately. You know, and like, I got a picture with him and he looked, you know, I was wearing a Jughead crown and like a cool like army jacket with a bunch of buttons. You know, I was all like punked out and he like looked at me and went, oh my God. Like he was like, whoa, your outfit's so wicked. Like he was like so obviously a very earnest, like, you know, coming out of his teens guy at the time when I met him, he was 19. It's like when they cast him, it's so obvious that's what he is. He's not a big broody he feels of, yeah. so stereotypically New Zealand mm-hmm. and like such a Kiwi that it's like, what were you thinking? Like, which is good for Archie, actually. That right, earnestness. That's why I think yeah. He was like that. He was excited to do that. Yeah. And then that's not what he was given. And then finally, I feel this season, finally. It's so lovely. It's been it's like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. It feels like a major release that the show did that all of a sudden they just let him play Archie. Yeah. So yeah, it's been great. Uh, that's been a great element. Yeah. Anything else about the, the vulture that like really stuck out? I mean, those are the main things for me. I did love that Charles's uh, chemistry read. Yes. As he was leaving the room with KJ and Cole, he said, bye, Zach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Zach and Cody. Yes. But also Cole mentioned that the chemistry read specifically with Charles, he was yeah. like, this guy is gorgeous. Like, and it's like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And like, oh, yeah. And that Charles Melton was like, I was working a a Chinese food delivery job. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I hope he becomes a major superstar. A lot of them had very you know, specific service industry day jobs, which is just a good thing to remember that like, it's very hard to break in because you can't support yourself until as an actor until you can. And a lot of your mental space and just like physical time is taken up with these jobs that are not what any of them really want to be doing. It's, you know, it's, it was nice to hear that from them. I felt, you know, I will say to, Speaking to Charles's career specifically, Cole is kind of like a separate thing because he was famous before this. Yes. Yeah. Cole was a bit of stunt casting. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Of the people who got famous on this show, I think he's set himself up so far in a good way. Having done History of the World Part 2. Yes. I think sets him up in such a better way because everyone else has still done like other like dramatic teen things. And he's now shown range. And Very much so. Knows a bunch of people who write their own stuff for themselves and are show running. Like he did all this stuff with Pamela Adlin. Yes, which and, is really smart. Yeah. Yeah. And Nick Kroll, which I mean, he didn't, I don't think he was like, I'm going to get in with pa- Pamela Adlin. No, no, no. <laughs> I think that it's sort of the way that careers happen is it's like he, maybe you jive with somebody that you don't expect to, you know? He got in with like the right people. Yeah, absolutely. And I wish that for all of them because oh, they're yeah. all so great, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I really am hoping specifically, I think for me, this I don't want this to be the last I see of Madeline Patch, who I think yeah. rocks. And I don't want it be, to be the last I see of Cami Mendez or um, uh, Lily Reinhardt. Those are the ones yeah. that I feel just I want to see them around. I think they're wonderful actors. Yeah, but we've only seen them so far in horror and like teen. Yeah, it's, yeah which is challenging. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to break out of. Yeah, absolutely. I I wish them nothing but the best. Yeah. We will see what happens. Yeah, and it's a tough time to have this show end during a strike because now they're going to lose momentum. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is tough. But also they can be working on their own stuff secretly and then have something ready for when the strike is done, you know? Yeah, I kind of don't think that's it, though, because they don't strike me as like producer creators quite yet in their careers that's a good point yeah and so i don't know that they're we're gonna see anything from them we will see what happens speaking of what will happen next up on this podcast get pumped because we have a very special interview with rock and roller sadie dupuis who has appeared in an archie comic before so let's get into chapter 136 golden age of television so overall, what did you think of this episode? Um, I'm glad we got it. It's wrapping like it's wrapping up in a way I didn't think they were going to be able to pull off. Yes. Yeah. We weren't expecting even anything to be resolved this way. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good yeah. point. Uh, absolutely. My I feel like. I don't know if I want to hear if you agree or not. If this had been the series finale. I would have been quite satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a little bit of a clip show, but not too much. Well, it it wasn't. I mean, they showed like just such short little snippies. Yeah, I think I feel like the only clip shows that are really good are ones like Community and the Simpsons, where it's clips of things that like didn't happen. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Which I don't trust Riverdale to totally pull off. Right. So for them to show a clip to be like, remember this happened, but not the whole clip. I thought was like really smart. Well, I thought it was quite respectful of the fans. Yeah. And the use of that song that they used in the pilot as well. You know, Mm -hmm. I thought that was really smart sung by what song was it again? It's a cover. It's a, Oh no. We're bad fans. Anyway. Yeah. Good thing they showed us because we don't remember. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But she, um, yeah, they, you know, it's, it's a cover sung by Sassery Ronan that was in the first episode of Riverdale so yeah Sarah 
Sorry, yeah, that's right. Sersha Ronan. That's yeah, right. I was like, who the fuck is Sassery? Sassery. She's very sassy. No, Sersha Ronan. Thank Saoirse. you. Sersha. Yeah. Yes. I don't know how to pronounce names. <laughs> she had a whole song about her on SNL. Oh, really? About pronouncing yeah, her name? Her monologue was, it's, oh, I know it too. Did Saoirse I? Sersha with an air, not Sersha with an or, because a Sersha with an or goes or not er instead of. <laughs> Instead of e- easy, easiest can be it's Sersha. <laughs> and then Kate McKinnon comes out and is like, that's not easy. <laughs> anyway. So do you like that Archie, they're going to end him. They're going to end this character that he's just going to be an aspiring beat poet. <laughs> it's so out of left field, but like great. It feels I think it's like cool. Too- yeah. I think it's cool and I think it's easy for them to like it's like musician adjacent like singer songwriter adjacent in a way that I think is like it's not necessarily what you're expecting but it's not out of character completely either in I'd like also, a very nice way. I'd also argue that the beats are such a part of sort of the fabric of American culture and mm-hmm. for a very specific time and I would argue that using Archie, who's also such an iconic, just sort of part of American pop culture and tying him in with the beats, it is really smart for Riverdale because it is sort of Mm -hmm. like the alternate sort of subculture path for the character, you know? So I think it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We say goodbye to Featherhead. Yeah, R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. Featherhead. Yeah. He should have walked out with a box and then a random milkman should have just killed him. <laughs> yeah. I, early in the episode, we get this Alice transition that I don't, there's a lot of like very subtle transitions in this episode. Yes. And the first one that stood out with me to Alice was how much more pink their kitchen was. Oh, it's like lit differently. Lit differently and like appliances were different colors mm-hmm. and like different curtains. Mm-hmm. And I think it, despite pink being considered such like a girly color, I think it kind of started to show this like independence of Alice. And, like there isn't a man influencing the home so much anymore. And then I, she talked about how like she can't even open a bank account, which felt a little bit like them like quickly justify, like it, that was a true thing, but feel like mm. they had to like quickly justify why she had this independence and yet how it was still there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I feel like they took a lot in this episode to separate her and try and show her independence without her saying like, I'm an independent woman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was good. I thought it was, yeah. pretty, I thought it was pretty all well, well, well handled. Yeah. And I wish she had been written more like this through the entire series, which oh, is yeah. just a mother that can totally make mistakes and sometimes be nasty and sometimes do things that, appear to be really horrible for their for her kids like Mm -hmm. to them but who's like totally trying her best and i feel like we didn't get that for a lot of the show yeah yeah (laughs) it was a lot of i think she could try a little harder yes i feel like we said that a lot on the show yeah and i want to be clear that i personally give parents like a lot more leeway than other people especially in these internet times Mm -hmm. uh and like yeah moms who are like working moms while trying to like raise teens like that's so hard and she so often people are told they're not doing a good job when they really are trying their best yes her best 
And also a lot of parents that aren't trained how to be parents and don't know how to do it. And that's 99% of parents are not trained how to be parents. Yeah. It's incredibly challenging. Like there should be, you know, ways to learn about, learn about that in school, but I digress. So then we had a great, Oh, a few things. So loved a final Nana Rose appearance. Oh yeah. We haven't seen her. It's so long. Yeah. Well, didn't she die? She died in, in season six yeah yeah but season yeah, she six... died as the comet was approaching yeah. so just to get her one more time i thought was the best mm-hmm. and i loved it and i love that actor and mm-hmm. what a fucking cool character actor they she was one of the best parts of the show yeah <laughs> yeah just awesome <laughs> um another really small character change thing when they were all in the scene and like the student lounge talking to each other yes all of their parts, like their hair parts, were slightly different than they've been this whole season. Oh, that's weird. It was like they went from middle parts to side parts, or like Clay didn't usually have a part, and now he did. Like everyone's hair was so a little bit different that I wasn't even sure. But it was like so subtle, and I don't know if they were trying to say something with it, or if they were just like, let's do something new. It. <laughs> Or if it was a substitute hair person for the day. Yeah, and none yeah. of them like corrected it. I don't know. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, maybe um, it was just a fun thing for them to do on set that day. <laughs> yeah, and they were like, let's see if anyone notices. And I did. So um, Dr. Word- recommends- oh, oh, no. Oh, I was going to say Archie recommends On the Road. Yes. Uh, which was written in 1957. Sure. Of course it was. Yeah. <laughs> The show is just like constantly like two or three years off. Well, okay. They justified that though, this episode in a way that I was like, that is fine. I'm actually totally cool with this. That because the kids were so progressive and compassionate that Mm -hmm. they were creating an alternate 50s to our own and that's what has been happening this season. Yeah, it's insane to think that they made Jack Kerouac write a book two years earlier. They did because sure. of their love, because of how how chill they were with the gays in 1955. Yep. Jack yep, Kerouac wrote his book school. earlier. Yeah, yep, influenced. That, that's how it worked. Yep. And all those movies came out earlier yep. and those songs and everything. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so Dr. Werther's, just to put a button on his character, they mm-hmm. basically ended him exactly with what Dr. Wortham, Frederick Wortham ended up doing, which I thought was actually like delightful and very funny. That he was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go advise the federal government with these witch hunts. And it's like, yeah, that's li- literally what happened with Dr. Wortham. So yeah, <laughs> I like that, it, that, that this season was Archie, Archie Comics- the Archie Comics gang versus Dr. Frederick Wortham. Like, that's, yeah. for Comic Geek, very fun. So that's mm-hmm. great. Or, uh, yeah. So um, then we got the bee back. All oh, his, yeah. All his fingers intact. Mm-hmm. Um, great send-off for that actor. Super fun. Yeah, I was excited to see him. Like, I didn't like that we didn't see him at all this season when that actor's been so, like, consistent and good. Yep. Totally. And he had a good speech and everything, I thought. Yeah. yeah. Very, 
Very nice. Is this a scene where Edith Thornton is mentioned? I thought they were maybe going for Edith Wharton, but it didn't track with that either. Isn't Edith Thornton the Archie's old teacher? Maybe, but they presented the, it the as The one like, who they kicked out because they thought she was a communist? Yeah, but I had like forgotten that was her name and was like, wait, were they trying to go with Edith Wharton with this? Maybe. But, like, that doesn't... That wouldn't surprise me, you know? But like, it also like, was just like, they knew the name and were like, does this make sense? And someone was like, yeah, but like, didn't really know who Edith Wharton was. And... It's like Brett, Brett Weston Wellis, you know? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. he was at least like a little bit like, Gross. American psycho yeah. Yeah, this one was just, like, a, a woman's name. <laughs> That's a woman's name. Yeah. <laughs> um, glad she's going to get rehired. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, we had this... <laughs> we had this scene where Cheryl takes over the River Vixens, the and we off. had our final dance-off of the of this series, and it was just kind of nice to see that in the show again. Yeah. It was, it was an like, insane dance. Yeah, it was absolutely crazy, <laughs> as it, per usual. It was to rock and Robin. Yes. Great. Yeah. But every dance move was like, you know that TikTok trend where it's like, don't let them know what your next move is? Yes. Every yes. dance move had was like a non-sequitur from the dance move before it. Yes. Yes. Maybe Madeline was watching those and choreographed it herself. <laughs> yeah, this whole episode of Moment is moments of them like, Let's see what we can get away with. I do think there was some of that, but that gave it a playfulness that was kind of kind of awesome, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, then we had this final scene with Mr. Featherstone, who's mm-hmm. closing up the comic company, closing up Pep Comics. Mm-hmm. So just historically, once again, something kind of interesting is occasionally comic book companies would run into problems with the comics code in the late 50s, early 60s, and would choose to publish without the code. Mm -hmm. And very few retailers, which at the time were newsstands and grocery stores, Mm -hmm. very few actually cared. Mm -hmm. And it didn't actually affect the... So it was sort of this self-induced industry fear to publish without the code so that was kind of i just thought it was an interesting thing for them to bring up but it did make me sad and it is a more dramatic ending that he's ending the you know he's ending the comic book line he can't do it you know Mm -hmm. it's the 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 environment is too it's too difficult for those types of comics you know and the the happy ending of that with EC Comics, which Pep has been based off of this season, which we've already talked about, but just mm-hmm. want to say it one last time because it's so fun, is that that guy, William Gaines, he created Mad Magazine. Mm-hmm. And all he did is Mad was a color comic, very much like the rest of them, that was like a parody comic that featured a great Archie parody mm-hmm. in the first, like I think in the first issue, where I think he was called Starchy. And all it was is it was just all the characters like hitting on girls in a creepy way and smoking and having pimples. So basically the basis for Riverdale. Yeah. (laughs) And he just took mad and he published it as a black and white magazine that was slightly thicker. And then he could publish it without the comics code. And he was very successful with it. Thank goodness. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wish that I, you know, 
I was like, oh, I really want this arc to end with him being like, I'm going to publish a black and white humor mag. But yeah. I understand why they didn't end up doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this Zadi Keller and Frank scene. That felt so just like, let's just throw this in just because we know it'll shock everybody. It was like, it felt like they were setting it up last week with Frank. And I was like, there's no way they're going to do that. It's so dumb. And it then was, they did it. This, it was so stupid. It was so worthless. Yep. And that's it, probably going to be it for those two characters. The yeah. last scene that we're going to see Zaddy Keller do is like, oh, oh, oh what? Oh, I'm sleeping with a man. Call me being gay. Yes, yeah, so call me being gay. Bye. <laughs> yeah, da, 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 da. I felt like Kevin this whole episode was interesting in how much he just wanted to be insulated from things. How so? Elaborate well, like, on that. He also, like, with this, he just, like, walked away yes he didn't, didn't want a fucking it. deal yeah and then when they were watching the episodes the tv shows he does not he chose not to watch it yep until they saw like the only good parts yep. and it was he and julian opted out and it's julian's reason was like he finds out he's just like a fucking doll which is so funny and smart yeah, but for Kevin to opt out of it and for Clay to opt in and for uh, Dilton, like, Julian was bothered that he was a doll, but Dilton was like, yeah, I'll go watch my Selfie Murder. This is fine. There was a very funny uh, little meme that I saw on Twitter that might have been from Riverdale No Context. I can't remember. That uh -huh. was just the shot that had both Clay and Dilton watching the footage. <laughs> Uh -huh. And then it just said above it, this doesn't fucking matter to us at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but for like, I, I don't know what their reasoning was for doing that with Kevin and Clay, other than it felt like maybe Casey was unavailable. I, I would argue against that. Uh, I would argue that what they were trying to say, and maybe only semi-successfully, is that this is the season where Kevin finally got to be happy. And what a surprise that it was in the fifties and that Kevin yeah. didn't even Kevin didn't care about an alternate timeline that didn't involve clay. Like Kevin's like, yeah. I know the rest of that is bullshit yeah. and I just want to have my life with like, with like the love of my life. And I think that's actually kind of like cool and beautiful and pretty respectful of the character when they've yeah. done such garbage with him like, I feel, you know, like, that's the other thing, too, is that maybe they, they were like, yeah, like, we don't we want to respect the character that, like, he's not sitting and watching himself like Cruz and shit. And, like, yeah. you know, all I the think it baby Anthony, Moose. you know, <laughs> like, yeah, I think it disrespects yeah. Moose, but uh, fine. I know. Well, this is this is Moose erasure. Yeah. But you do see Fangs react to the relationship like, OK. Yes, yes, I like that a lot. Yeah, Fangs yeah. was like, that's nice. Like, yeah. <laughs> speaking of which. Hey, where's Midge? Yes, is Midge going to end the series in the Sisters of Quiet Mercy? Because that's a disaster. <laughs> what if Midge has a baby and names a baby Anthony? That's fine. Uh, and you then know. that's the Anthony the baby Anthony is named after. It's grown-up oh, Anthony. That would be wonderful and insane 
Yeah. <laughs> Would really fuck with the timeline that Tabitha tried to establish. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Or like, I mean, I want the final shot of Riverdale to be Moose comes out and looks at the camera and takes his shirt off and blows us a kiss. And that will be the end of the show. But I just don't think that's going to happen. But man, if it did. I mean, well, it'd be great for us. I think the yeah. rest of everybody who watched the show would be like, oh, okay. Yeah. That or they announced that like, they didn't know who the Black Hood was going to be, but they did use Richard Kind as the stand-in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Richard Kind comes out and goes, yeah. it was me all along. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was That was a bad Richard Kind impression. I can do a better it's one. Fine. It, He's difficult. That's what makes him so special. It was me all along. <laughs> I think that was better. It was a little bit. It had the cadence a little yeah, better. Yeah, it had the cadence better. Yeah. Yeah. So then, Betty, that scene, I do want to say, I thought it was perfectly well acted by the two actors by maiden and by maiden and and lily but the Mm -hmm. scene where betty shows her the book and is like mom i wrote a book felt like a real harsh reveal (laughs) and here's me in lingerie also just this is another example of betty cooper teen author great glad you got your book published don't know how it happened but that's awesome (laughs) yeah it's not that easy honey but okay And then Archie has decided that for the year, you know, for the summer, he's going to leave Riverdale. Mm -hmm. And that felt very meta to me in a way that felt quite satisfying. Because really, you know, Riverdale is one of those fictional locations where it's built around the main character. You Mm -hmm. know, so it's like if he leaves Riverdale, then does... (laughs) This is a little stupid, but does Riverdale continue to exist? You know, like, it's it's a cross between Brigadoon and the Truman Show. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and then kind of half stays because he does say he'll cover for Reggie. But yeah, he makes the sacrifice for Reggie, which is like so lovely, and so Archie, very sweet. And then also Archie is like, yeah, I'll just hang out. I'll do the farm work. I'll spend time with your family, and I'll learn ukulele. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, aren't you learning ukulele? Love it. That's great. And that <laughs> is very 50s. There was a ukulele craze in the 50s. So I thought that was yeah. super fun. Um, Archie becomes an influencer in the mid 2000s on YouTube. He has to apologize for something later. Later. Buy he, ukulele. He, he does an incredibly twee duet with, um, you know, what's her face with Zoe. Oh. Huh? Uh, I was doing the Jenna Marbles apology thing. Oh no 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 no! But you were going to Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, 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 you know what fun for all of us. Yeah, yeah. But then and then Archie and Reggie say they love each other. I know it's not the first time either. I love that they reinforce it. Yes, it was great. Yeah, and then you know a final scene with Betty basically having to parent, having to parent um Alice, which she's done a lot over the series. Yeah. You know, what did you think of my book? Oh, you know, that's so wonderful, Mom. You know, glad you finally had that revelation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then J- Jughead wrote that epilogue for mm-hmm. Pep, and it just felt like it was an epilogue for the entire show. Just Oh, but, yeah. 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 Um, Tabitha appears with the wind chimes. Yes. 
Which uh, that's how we knew it was Angel Tabitha, not regular Tabitha. Because she's magic. Yeah, she's, she's an angel. She's an angel. She's Angel Tabitha. It's nice. She's a guardian angel. She's guardian angel of Riverdale. <laughs> Seventh heaven. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know this was such a Christian show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but she shows uh, Jughead, the Riverdale pilot. She shows him every. She shows him the whole series. He well, yeah. he binges it. <laughs> well, which is a thing they do in the future. Yes, which was hilarious. That was a so genuinely funny. great joke. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it makes Jughead remember, which is it's weird, but it's also like I do like he was really moved by remembering, but they didn't hang up on him being like, "What the fuck?" and not believing it. Like, he just, like, believed it at face value. Well, he's the character that would. Yeah. Because he's the one that sort of has this, this the biggest, most adventurous imagination out mm-hmm. of all of them. So, I I mean, him being the through line of this sort of metatextual idea that he he's sort of very integral to the way the stories are told in, mm-hmm. in, the, in this TV series is a great riff off of like a lot of the stuff I was saying early on in our podcast about like the self-awareness of the character in general. Yeah. So yeah, I dig it. I feel, I thought this was good. <laughs> I thought this was good yeah, stuff. But then like all along, like all of them were just like, yep, this is what happened. Well, this is I, real. I, yes, I know that was a little crazy and dumb, but I feel yeah. it was more that they believed Juggy because they're like, yeah, he wouldn't steer us wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they sort of positioned him this season to be a believable sort of steadfast character and not like a crazy, like, drunk. You know what I mean? Which they did with the Mothman stuff, remember? It was like, whatever, Jughead, you're... That's what the big baddie was. It was the Mothman. Barf. Who was the Mothman? It was was like a trick. They were all hallucinating or some shit i don't remember it uh, yeah. yeah whatever <laughs> so yeah then loved the the nods to luke perry mm-hmm. really liked them i thought it was very tasteful and yeah nice to see footage of him mm-hmm. apparently they were trying to get skeet ulrich back for a final episode and he wasn't available and i do feel that's a shame yeah, I think he was a very important character, and they just, you know, the, the fact they couldn't quite stick the landing with him ever is yeah. is a sad thing. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> they also made a great joke about the recasts, about mm-hmm. like you know they were like to Reggie and Dilton, they were like you're different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> and then, what did you think about this idea that? A bunch of them only wanted to remember the good parts of their I, of their previous lives. I think it was a nice way to deal with that. Like they could Tabitha couldn't have them go back or change anything, and this is just what it is. I think having them have the option to live without knowing like all those awful things that happened, considering there's nothing they can do about it was like reasonable and understandable yes 100 percent. i want to add to that this (laughs) might just be us as fans but i would argue that at least the kate and louis show here (laughs) 
a lot of the stuff that we had the most problems with on the show were the moments that were the most unpleasant for the characters where the whole thing sort of spun out of control and everybody was kind of acting out of character. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that whole sequence where they're just remembering the good sort of um, the robust stuff uh-huh. feels to me like it was a bit of an apology from the writers for the mo- those moments where the show went mm-hmm. off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of like it works on a like kind of nice meta level that I like a lot. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. And then we had a sad goodbye between Jughead and Tabitha, mm-hmm. which I thought was beautiful. It was so well done. Did you notice the movie that they had playing? What was it? Angels in the Outfield. That's right. Angels in the Outfield. Yes. Yeah. Which is which a is- movie about angels who are in the outfield of a baseball diamond. Yes. Now, the remake is probably better known to our generation. Yeah, because it's it from came the out. 90s. There was a two-year period where all the baseball movies came out. Yes. Uh, between that and Sandlot and Rookie of the Year. Um, yes. And the remake, I, it, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim became a team in the 60s. Yes. Which is like, you kind of forget that there was an original one because that makes like so much sense for it to be the team. Yeah. But the original one, it was the Pittsburgh Pirates, but it was someone seeing angels and no one believing them, but by them, like, believing in what this angel was saying, like, good things happened. Yeah. And I think that that's, like, a because Jughead was the only one that saw Angel Tabitha. Yes. And they all, they did still, like, believe him and, like, a good thing happened in the story. Yeah, yeah. It might have been... I think this is a great title for the episode, Golden Age of Television, but mm-hmm. Angels in the Outfield might have been kind of an interesting episode as well, or episode title as well for this. Yeah. 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 And then Tabitha said something that was really fab for mm-hmm. her final interaction with Jughead. She said, Jughead Jones, you read my mind. Mm-hmm. And let's remember mm-hmm. <laughs> when Jughead was deaf, and was hearing yeah. everybody by being psychic. Yep. So that's that. That's mm-hmm. the episode. Yep. Who was on your power list? Well, wait, I do really quick oh, on it. I'm sorry. Yeah. At the end, um, Jughead and Betty decide to remember the whole things and not just good, the good times. Yes. And I thought that was interesting and also possibly setting up Bughead. For the right. final. Yeah. Hmm. I, oh, I kind of want. I don't want Bughead, but I felt like that's what they were doing. Yeah, I kind of want the final couple of all of that mess to either be, either be Jeronica Uh or be Veronica. It felt like... What if they end the show with Betty and Veronica together? That'd be amazing. (laughs) That would be amazing. I think what I would make sense is I actually think Archie and Betty, because we've now set up Archie to have this, like, really positive worldview, only knows the good memories. Like, this is such, like, a lovely Archie. And for Betty to have that, like, cynicism and know all that that happened, but to have, like, this bright Archie to, like, carry her through it. That is a um, love. That is a lovely idea. I really want Archie just to end single and just be like, I'm just going to go out and find myself, and I know yeah. I have a lot of growing to do. I think that'd be amazing. I want, 
I love Veronica and Jughead, but I do feel like an independent Veronica is kind of where it's going. Yeah. And I also will say from a Dawson's Creek standpoint, Archie has to pick someone. He has to. Yeah, because Joey had to pick. But re- and Joey picked PC while Dawson went and made a movie. So this is Archie picks Betty while Veronica goes and makes a movie. But the overall for the overall life of this brand beyond Riverdale, it is mm-hmm. sort of harmful for him to pick because that's so much part of the Archie lore is that he's yeah. never he's never going to pick. Yeah. You know, like that's the point. You know what I mean? So Yeah. I don't it feels yeah. like this this is done enough to ignore the Archie lore for it to yeah, although it's been way more respectful literally this season. So. Yeah, for out of nowhere. Oh, uh, yeah. Great. Great for me. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, cool. So who was on your power list? <laughs> uh, Tabitha. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's yeah. say Tabitha and Tom Keller. <laughs> Zaddy. Who was on your crush list? Uh, Tabitha and Cheryl in this one. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say... Tabitha for sure. Uh, let's say I didn't write this down this time. Let's say Jughead, and uh, let's say um, let's say Clay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Big fan. Yeah. His so, heart change. So what's up next? Uh, uh, chapter one thirty seven. Goodbye Riverdale. And why is it called Goodbye Riverdale? That's a good question. We'll find out next week. Yeah, we'll find out what's going on. <laughs> Uh, thanks to our special guest, Sadie Dupuy, uh, mm-hmm. you know, who I'm very excited to talk to. <laughs> yes. And our editor, Angeli Mercado, who I hope becomes professional. Well, she's more does, professional than this. She is very professional. She does a lot of, yeah, she does a lot of work outside of this that yeah. is a- amazing. She's just, yeah. She's I hope really she gets doing like this the biggest for, podcast for fun at this point. Yeah. yeah. Well, she rocks and she's the best. Yeah. And thanks to our theme songwriter, Louis Aronowitz. Who also rocks. Who has blown up because of this uh, yeah, theme song. Specifically, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's blown up. Yeah. Well, for XOXO Riverdale, I'm Louis Perlman. I'm Kate Batter. Bye. Bye. <laughs>